Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles tonight and the Lord would help me, I want to minister starting in the book of Philippians. I have come to teach tonight. I may preach, I don't know, but I have come to teach. And I want to speak on the subject of strive not to give offense. I don't have to ask you if you've ever been offended (laughs) because everybody in the room has been offended. Someone didn't shake your hands. Someone looked the other way when you walked into the room. You didn't get your part of the inheritance. They wrote you out. They didn't give you a microphone to sing on the praise team. Even if they gave you the mic, they had it turned down. (laughs) Don't look at anybody in point. (laughs) We all run the risk of being offended. Somebody cut us off in traffic, we get offended. Somebody says something the wrong way, and we get offended. And I, I am a firm believer that there is nothing that can't be resolved by at the right time, in the right place, by the right people, with the right spirit and the right tone. I believe everything can be resolved if we want it to be. But if not, we run the risk of living offended all the time. So out of the gate tonight, if the Lord be my help, I want to give you passages of scripture that are going to lay a foundation. And I'm going to ask the Lord for his continued blessing. I pray before I get here, but some of you like to hear me pray before I preach, but I've already prayed, but I trust you have too. I prayed before I got here. I worshiped before I got here. I didn't need the praise team to take me in. I was already in. I just come alongside and said, yeah. Father, I pray that you would just allow our hearts to be united, knit together. As the word goes forth and we begin to come like a Berean, Lord, a student of the gospel, a student of the word, let there be application. Let there be revelation. Let there be a change on the inside of the church so that we can effectively reach the world. And we will not fail to praise you. And the church say, amen. In the book of Philippians, I want to lay foundation for this thought of strive not to give offense. Starting in verse 1, as the author, the Apostle Paul, says in verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Tell somebody that scripture was for you. Now, it's not just the part that says that you be without offense, but that you also are able to approve all things that are excellent. So the Apostle Paul, who is one of the most prolific writers, who has been known and have said that he has written the majority of the New Testament. He writes from the angle 
of being able to walk in such love that everything is manifested from a place of love. And in living a lifestyle of love that we're not offensive, that we don't offend anyone or don't live a life that is offensive. Then we go to the Old Testament in chapter Psalm 119, a verse that I have quoted many times when it comes to offense. Usually I've used this verse after somebody has offended me <laughs> or when I know I'm on the verge of being offended. And the Bible says in this passage, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Everybody say nothing. Now that's hard. I mean, it's easy to quote, but it's hard to live. Great peace comes from those who love what? Thy law. And you and I know we don't live now under Old Testament law. Jesus fulfilled the law. We now live under a grace dispensation. And in that, we understand that grace provides mercy and justification and help and restoration. We understand those things. But we also know that when we are in love with the law, the principles of God, that we will not be easily offended. Great peace have they that love thy principle. Amen? And the Bible says nothing shall offend them. So if you know somebody who is always going around offended, put this one like a bullet in the chamber and say, the Bible said, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Now, if they are sanctified in their heart, they will say, you know, you're right. But if they're not and they're ready to fight, they will fight you <laughs> and be offended double. Then we jump back into the New Testament in Matthew chapter 24. And it is a prophetic glimpse of what is to come. When the word said in Matthew 24 and verse 10, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. It's a prophetic glimpse, but doesn't it sound like 2020? 2021? Many shall be offended that many will betray one another. Folks you thought would never betray you. Folks you thought would always be your ride or die. Many would betray one another and then this hate will come. Do you realize that we are living in a time now where hate is on the rise? You don't have to say much for someone to hate you without a cause. They hated Jesus without a cause. And sometimes you may cut somebody off in traffic and you didn't even mean to. And they lay the horn on you and come up and give you the tall finger and tell you that you're going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> and if you're sanctified, you just be like. But if you're not sanctified, 
You be rolling your window down, giving them the tall finger and cussing. I'm talking about the people that aren't sanctified. But I want you to understand there's a hateful spirit in the supermarket, in a grocery store. People are hateful. Now, I don't want you to look at somebody and say you're hateful tonight because we're going to bypass anybody that has a tendency to be hateful. This prophetic glimpse of Matthew 24 really describes where we are. I want to have laid those scriptures down for you and then I want to catapult further. But I want you to write this down. Strive not to give offense or be offensive. That the believer must strive not to be offensive or even to be offended. That I will not give offense that I will not receive offense. The Bible teaches us in the book of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19 that a, a brother who is offended is hard to win back over. Once somebody gets offended, if they don't deal with that offense, it's hard to win them back. People get offended easy. I mean, we're in a time of offense. And a brother who's offended is hard to win. You and I know that there are some people in your family that they've been words spoke against each other and it's been hard to bury that. It's been hard to get past it. Come on now. Every time you see them, something's still in your gut. Something you, you have to go pray a whole month and fast a whole month to get it off your spirit because something's not been dealt with. It's called unfinished business. And I want you to catch this because once somebody is offended, it's hard to win them. If you have ever been to a restaurant and they gave you bad service, it's hard to go back. Somebody say, you going over there to eat? No, I ain't going over there. Last time I was over there, they didn't treat me right. I had to send my steak back 10 times. I don't know why they don't like me over there. We can become offended easily and we can hold that for decades. Somebody said, I went to a Ford dealership and they dirt me dirty, so I'll never drive a Ford again. Bless God. <laughs> or you can insert Chevy, you can insert whatever, but you understand the concept that a brother offended is hard to win over. And then the Bible teaches us through Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians 6 that we, are not, we strive not to give offense. In verse 3, he said, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. This is a hard thing. I remember years ago when I was serving, Beverly and I had first come to pastor the church and we were living in the old parsonage and the old parsonage was a stone's throw from the old sanctuary, the old church. And I remember standing in the picture window in the church or in the parsonage, looking at the back door of the church, and there was a group of people that was supposed to be there, and I was the only one at the time that had a key because I didn't have no wisdom. I had the only person that could let somebody in the church. And so I was standing there, and I was anticipating their arrival because they were going to go out and deliver bread to our first-time guests. Had a group of people that had a, had a desire to do something. But as I was standing there and awaiting there to arrive, I got a 
phone call and that phone call was very important and it was on the landline phone and I'm standing there on the landline phone in the old parsonage at the kitchen and I'm looking out the picture window could see the folks gathering and they have a deadline and a time to meet and a time to depart and I'm dealing with a serious issue with a member in our church who's uh, you know just all kinds of stuff is going on and, and I couldn't get off I couldn't find the right place to hang up I couldn't couldn't sever the line. So I was late getting back over to the church and when I got over to the church, they, the one brother in particular who had a following of people, he, uh, he let me have it. He wanted to let me know that if I hadn't, if I'd have been one minute or later, he, he was never coming back to this church. I thought to myself, you never gonna come back to the church because somebody was late? Do you know how many people are late to church? You don't hear me coming down on you. Well, I guess to do some. <laughs> I want to provoke you into good works. Amen? Amen? But I'm talking about his spirit wasn't right. And I'm telling you, he laid into me in front of a group of people. I don't know. He didn't know the background. He didn't know that I had been on the phone dealing with a serious matter. I wasn't free to talk about that serious matter. And I'm telling you something. The spirit of slap rose up in me. I wanted to tell him, how dare you? You know, I wanted to go down a list of things that you don't talk to people like that. But I just held it together. And you know, I, I just held it together and I, and I kept my jaw straight. My mom said, watch the way you, your face. you watch your face, Russ. And I kept my jaw straight. And I remember going back into the church and after we let everybody in and they got all the bread and they're going out to minister to people. And, 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 I'm, and they were going to deliver the bread and I, and I said to the brother, uh, I, I didn't want to apologize because I didn't feel like I'd done anything wrong but I felt like I probably should go ahead and I said, brother, I just want you to know I'm sorry that I was late. He said, well, you better be. And once again, the spirit of slap came up in my spirit. <laughs> but I was able to hold myself together and God gave us the victory on the other side. The Bible says giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. There are many times that I've had to hush. Sandy Burris said, hold your mouth or hush and shut up and plead the blood. I think that's how she said it. But I, I want you, there come a time you just got to hush so that the ministry be not blamed, that you don't uh, add fuel to the fire. There can be no fire if there's no gasoline. You can put a fire out if you are calm and you are serene and you are uh, cool as a, Cucumber, come on now. And then we would read in the, the chapter, the book before, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Once again, Paul said, rather than giving offense, we ought to strive to accommodate yourself to the opinions and the interests of other people. And I thought this was interesting because Paul said to give no, uh, none offense to the Jew, don't be offensive to the Gentile, don't be offensive to the church of God, uh, and even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. He was saying strive to accommodate Try to make other people comfortable. Try to do everything within your power to make other folk feel encouraged and lifted up and strengthened and not to be pushed down or, or to be neglected. I do believe that you've got to be careful, though. I think there's a balance in everything. I think you can be out of balance. we got to seek balance in even this area 
otherwise we end up being controlled by people. You try to please people too much, they'll keep you on the mountain of explanation all the live long day. You will always be trying to answer to somebody, never being able to satisfy everybody. So accommodating is good. Accommodate the Jew, accommodate the Gentile, accommodate the people of God. But, but don't get out of balance in your accommodation. Because there must be a balance in how you flow. You're not a doormat. You're not to be taken advantage of. Well, that was a weak amen, but it's true. Paul would then go on into the book of Romans in verse chapter 14, and he says that if we're living according to the law of love, that there are many things that we can choose not to do, even though we'd like to do them, if it would prevent people from being offended. Now look what he said. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Then look at this. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Paul is simply saying that when you live by the law of love, then you are not looking to offend people even though you could do something because you're not convicted, you have a conscience, the Holy Ghost hasn't told you you can't do it, the scriptures haven't identified it as something you should abstain from, but yet you've got a brother or a sister over here who may be easily offended by that action, but because you operate in the law of love, that you would abstain from eating that meat. So you could, re you could just insert what meat is, whatever that action is. I told the story uh, yesterday that Pastor Beverly and I had gone to, we had been invited to minister at this church that was a deemed a holiness church. And they had asked us to come and preach and to sing and we were traveling. It was about an hour's drive to get there and I remember going on the way down and, and uh, we wanted to be a blessing. When you're invited into someone's house, you do whatever is the custom of that house. You don't come in and try to turn tables over and do backward handsprings and pull rabbits out of hats. You do what is the custom of the house. That's a good teaching right there, Pastor. But I remember we were driving down to minister in this church and uh, as we were headed there, Pastor Bev pulled the visor down and she was checking her makeup and stuff and she saw her earrings and she said, you know, I think I probably should take these earrings out because the ladies in that church, they don't wear earrings. And we want to be received because what good would it be for us to go down there and say, bless God, if you want me, you're going to have to take me with everything I am. You knew who I was. <laughs> we don't operate that way. When you, have to be, you have to become all things to all people to win some. And so while we were headed down, I said, honey, if that's what you feel led to do, then do that. So she took the earrings out. We went on down and we had a glorious service. The Spirit of the Lord was moving and uh, we sung a little bit. We preached a little bit. We had a good, a good time in the presence of God. We were on our way back. 
And in the vehicle, she pulled down the visor, was looking into the mirror again, and realized that with all of her intentions, she had only taken one earring out. And back in that day, to wear only one earring. <laughs> you ain't preaching with me here. With all of her desire not to offend, she got caught up trying not to offend. She didn't even know what she had done. We laughed and laughed and laughed. First of all, we knew the Lord knew our heart. We weren't trying to be offensive. We were just trying to be a blessing and we knew that that particular group, that was something that was something they held to. Come on now. And I know we're in 2021 and everybody like, there ain't nobody gonna tell me. Well, there are times that you have to say, it's not worth it. I don't have to eat that meat. I can eat that meat at another time. But so that I don't offend you. So that I don't offend my brother or sister. Well, pastor, if I live my life that way all the time, I would never be true to myself. Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. There are some people that have set standards so high, you would never be able to please them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit ministers to your heart and speaks to you and you have walked in the law of love long enough that you can say it's not even a big deal. Are you with me? Paul would go on to write in Colossians chapter 3 that we must follow peace when he said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also we are called to one body. And he said, be thankful. Now, I want to say something here along the, the realm of wisdom. And, and, and I, I don't normally say this while I'm preaching, but if you could turn the air conditioner off, that'd really help me here. And the church said, amen. But he, he says that we should follow peace. And, and then also we talked about being led by wisdom. Now, God will speak to you about what to do and what not to do so that you don't stir strife. Now, if I, if I go, and I've been on many mission trips, if I go to a poverty-stricken third-world country, I don't wear my best watch. Uh, I don't wear much jewelry anyway. But if Pastor Bev's with me, she doesn't wear her best either. Discernment says that I'm not going to wear something that's going to draw attention to myself where I could be robbed. And I don't want to appear to be too flashy. I'm in a third world country working with brothers and sisters who make a dollar a day if that. And, and I just want to make sure that I'm being led of the Holy Spirit and walking into discernment. Now, God wants you to use wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. If I'm with someone who has had the flu or a virus or bronchitis for three weeks, I don't need to give my testimony of how it tried to come on me, but I prayed and received immediate healing. God give you wisdom. <laughs> if Pastor Bev even has a sniffle, I'm on the couch. Come on, smile at me. Now, I, I say that in jest, but I also say that because there have been times where 
she was sick or I was sick and wisdom said probably should sleep in the other room not to make the other one sick. How many know that's just a dose of wisdom? God will give you wisdom. I don't have, I mean, we have to have wisdom. Using wisdom means that I don't give my opinion about everything that other people do. Especially if I'm with someone who has a strong personality and I already know that they're opinionated and it's hard for them to handle other people that are opinionated. Wisdom says, hush. You better hush. And and not say much. I want you to understand, I cannot be led by other people's convictions, but I can be led by the Holy Spirit regarding when to exercise my liberty and when to adapt to their desire. God will give you wisdom to know what to do and what not to do. Write this down. It's all about yielding and adapting. Yielding and adapting. This is going to rub some folks the wrong way. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 4, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place. For yielding pacifieth great offenses. In other words, he said yielding would pacify a great offense. Allowing others to have their way and remaining calm in the middle of a conflict is definitely a way that you can avoid offense. Staying calm puts a quick end to anger. And remember, only the people who purposely avoid giving offense are the ones that are walking in love. I hope that makes sense. And you understand to stay calm, to yield to someone else can pacify an offense. Well, pastor, you just don't know my boss, he's hard to work for. Oh, they call me in the office every other day. They yelling and cussing and screaming and all kinds of mess. And bless God, I don't have to put up with this. My nerves can't handle this. I ain't got. Well, listen, there will come a time if God opens the door for you to make your exit, that'll happen. But until he does, yield in a submittive way and you will pacify offense. In other words, you're yielding will cause the offense to stop where you won't become offended and your even good nature and good spirit can flip the script and you again get favor with the very people who are being hateful. Come on now. You have to allow other people sometimes to have their way while you remain calm in the middle of a conflict. Man, I feel Holy Ghost here. This is hard stuff right here. But there's a way that you can avoid an offense. At this point of the message, we're going to find out who's really a mature vessel here. In the book of Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19, in fact, I got to go, I got to go back. I I open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 18. It's not in PowerPoint. I only listed verse 19, but oh, I feel God say, go and read this. Go to verse 15. This is called the Matthew 18 principle. If somebody offends you, what are you supposed to do? Let them have it on Facebook. That's how you do it. (laughs) Give them the tall finger, pastor, and then pray for me that my flesh will submit. (laughs) Be amazed the way people live. But he says here in verse 15, moreover, if thy brother 
shall trespass against thee. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Don't tell your family. Don't go get on social media and tell folk. Don't group text it. Go to that person alone and talk to them. If he shall hear thee, you gained a brother. It might be a little awkward. It might be a little rough. But if they hear you, you've come to a place of agreement. And then the Bible says, but if he will not hear thee, then take we with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Then he says in verse 18, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. We love to quote verse 18, but what led us up to verse 18 was about dealing with inward strife, church strife, family strife, relationship. You don't always have to end a relationship. Now the Bible says go to them alone. If they, don't, if they hear you, you've gained a brother. If they don't hear you, maybe get another trusted brother that is mutual between you and then talk again and let that person help arbitrate. If they don't hear you then, if they still don't hear you, then go to a leader in the church. Not the, You don't get it up and broadcast your business to the church. You find a trusted, mature vessel, a pastor, an elder, and you say, okay, I'm having a problem. I don't know how to resolve this. And then you go to that level and surely at that point, someone on that level should be able to bring a resolve to the situation. Come on, church. Then the Bible says in verse 19, if two agree, it shows maturity and it gives them what they ask for. That if two or three agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done of my Father which is in heaven. I'm telling you, if you don't get your stuff together, if you don't deal with your unfinished business, there will be no agreement for God to answer your prayer. Your prayer is hindered. You can't, you can't be at odds with the pastor and then trying to get a breakthrough. You know, I've had people who talked about me behind my back like I was a dirty dish rag. Then come up in prayer line and want me to pray for them. How can I bless that? Well, don't you love Wednesday night? Before he ever gets to this two or three agree stuff, He's talking about you better deal with your business. Elbow somebody who you know is feeling the tight right now and say, you better take care of your business. <laughs> Paul would go on to write in Romans 12 and 18, strive to live in peace. He said, strive to do it. That means there's a job. It'll be a job before it's ever a joy. He said, if it be possible, <laughs> I like this, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And I, I know some of you looking for the loophole right here. Well, Paul, he said if it's possible, Pastor, it's just not even possible. <laughs> Granted, it may not be, but he said if it be possible. You just don't know. <laughs> it's striving for it. It requires effort and a great deal of want to in order to fix it. If at all possible, if it be possible, as much as lieth in them. No, as much as lieth in you. It's not on them. 
Well, I'm waiting on them, Pastor. I ain't ain't apologizing. It'll be a cold. I am not. I'm just telling you, this is how people people live. As much as lieth in you, live peaceable. Romans 12, verse 16. I'm throwing the scriptures at you tonight. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate and be not wise in your own conceit. Paul was saying readily you ought to adjust yourself to people and things and in adjusting yourself, it helps you live in peace and harmony. Paul would go on to write in Ephesians chapter five and the ladies are gonna love this verse. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, I want you to break this down for you because I, 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 we got just two amens out there, but on this verse, <laughs> the Bible said, wives, be subject or be submissive and adapt yourself to your own husband. Not everybody else's husband, but to your own husband as service to the Lord. Submitting to authority is one way to not have offense. Can I say that your boss will not be one bit offended if you submit? (laughs) Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called the children of God. If you reference that, that means they are called the sons of God. Sons speak of maturity. That means you are now ready for a blessing. If you're a peacemaker, you qualify to be a child of God, a son of God, and a son of God is now an heir to a blessing. You're not considered the children of God till you are the peacemaker. You may be the peacemaker in your family. And some of you may be the peace carrier in your family. You carry your peace. Do I have a wise church tonight? Write this down. A selfish attitude can cause you to be an offense. You can be, you can be offensive if you are a selfish person. Bless God, it's about me. I don't care what these other people are doing. I'm not about to give up my rights. (laughs) A selfish attitude can cause you to be an offense. What did the Bible say in Matthew 16, 23? Jesus told Peter, you're an offense to me. Ooh. Isn't this the same Peter that was said, called the rock? And now I'm an offense? Because there was two people living in him. The rock and the devil. Yet behind me, devil what would you do if Jesus called you a devil tonight I'm leaving the church I, I ain't I gotta put up with this and he turned and said to Peter get behind me Satan thou art an offense unto me for thou savorest not the things that be of God but the those that be of men I shared that with you on Sunday Peter was actually saying Jesus if you follow God's will you're going to interrupt my comfort If you go to the cross, you're going to interrupt my my dealings. I got a plan. Words offend. A selfish person has no regard of how their words affect other people. They just shoot it out of their mouth and try to justify it and say, well, that's how our people are. No. If you've had a Galatians 5, 23 experience called the fruit of the spirit, all nine of them are cultivated in your life. You are enhanced as you grow. You can't never use the excuse and say, well, you know, that's the German in me. 
That's the Indian in me. Come on, don't get offended because I said that. I'm trying to get you to understand. These are old things that people say. No, it's a stinking devil in you that you've not crucified. That's why you get angry, punch holes in drywall because you have not developed this kind of spirit. Come on, it's quiet in here. Your words affect people. And if you're not careful with your words, if you're selfish, you just say anything that you want to say and it'll cause offense to people. That's why I tried to say to us tonight that a selfish attitude can cause offense. James said this in James chapter 3, verse 1, if any man offend not in speech, he's a perfect man. You're a perfect man according to the scripture if you offend not in your speech. I know none of us can really probably say, yep, that's me. <laughs> but isn't that what he said? That if we're able to bridle the tongue, we're able to bridle the whole body? That the tongue is, tongue is a deadly poison full of evil? You know, you can kill people with your mouth. My mom and dad taught me in the ministry especially, never, ever put your mouth on a man or woman of God. Well, pastor, they're living in sin or they're doing this or doing that. They may be, but don't you ever put your mouth on them because they are still the anointed of the Lord. And you may feel justified and you may feel like you're going to be the one to bring, bring the news or whatever, but I'm telling you, if you do that, it's coming back on you. And the example of that is Aaron and Miriam who spoke out against their brother Moses who was the leader of that church and they put their mouth on him because he married an Ethiopian woman. Well, she's not our color. Isn't that the truth? And the Bible said that leprosy come upon Miriam. And the only reason that leprosy didn't come upon Aaron is because he was wearing the priestly garment. But years later, when he went to the top of the mountain and they took the garment off of him, he immediately died. The only thing that protected him was the anointing. Don't ever put your mouth on a brother or sister in Christ or a man or woman of God. In fact, let me get dangerous here. Keep your mouth off of Trump and keep your mouth off of Biden. You don't like it, but that's okay. I'm trying to help you. Keep your mouth off of folk. <laughs> Ooh, let's all pray. I'm trying to teach you a principle that will help you and your children. Keep your mouth off of people. Ooh, it's so quiet in here. Rudeness. People are rude with their tongue. A lack of good manners always offends. Selfish people are usually rude and, and unmannerly. They don't care how other people feel. They're too interested in themselves to be sensitive to other people. If a rude person hurts your feelings, they'll often then tell you, hey, don't be so touchy. <laughs> but if you're rude to them, they get offended and they rude. The more selfish the world becomes, the more offenses there's going to be. Paul said this, and you've got to see this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse 2 through 4 here. Well, first, verse 1 says, In the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more 
than lovers of God. He said, this is the hour we're living in right now. This is the time we're in that more offenses are going to come. And, and how many would agree with me? Even this past year, this past week, Anybody want to look for a reason to be offended? Welcome to the offense club. You, it is, anybody can get offended. Matthew 24, again, a prophetic chapter says, and there shall be many offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And this is where offense comes in because we lose our love for one another. We're too hung up on the color of people's skin. We're too hung up on who did this and who did that and who said what. We lose our love for one another. But let it not be of Bethel Family Worship Center. We're going to fight for what we got. I said we're going to fight for it. We're not going to let the devil have it. There are not many churches that look like this church, and we're not the only church. But there are not many places that look like this house. It's worth fighting for. Let me say this. Some things love can do to prevent offense. Let me give you these. I'm, I'm moving quickly now. Some things that love can do to prevent offense. Here's number one. Be considerate. It, it, love can help prevent offense by just walking in love. Be considerate. Take time to think about how other people feel concerning a given situation. Do you know that a selfish person is satisfied as long as they're taken care of? And when other people are inconsiderate of them, they get offended. Listen to me. It's like a young man that, that plays ball on Saturday. He could take his wife to breakfast first and prevent her from being offended the rest of the day. It's called being considerate. I love this about Pastor Bev. Wherever she's out, no matter where she's at, she sends me a text and says, I'm headed back to the house. Do you want anything while I'm out? I'm like, well, are you going to be by Chick-fil-A? Are you going <laughs> to? Where are you going? Have you ever had this conversation? I don't know. Where do you want me to go? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Somebody make a decision. <laughs> but she's considerate. Love is considerate. It prefers one another. I consider you. I, I consider my brothers and sisters in this church. I, I don't want to offend anyone. Love says that I want to be considerate of you before I'm considerate of myself. You know what's going to help Bethel grow in this season? It's just being considerate to one another. Because it's not a big deal. I can, I can eat the meat somewhere else at another time. I wouldn't do anything. I don't want to do anything that offends you. I'm just going to be considerate. Secondly, explain your actions. If I sense in my heart that some people could be offended by the length of our services, I can explain why I handle them the way I do. I can explain why we take time to talk about giving, why we give an altar call. I can explain why we are teaching and we are worshiping our way in through the word. I can explain why that in between services I can't get involved with all personal ministry where I'm hearing about your bunions and your cholesterol level and all that stuff. If I'm going to have a word from the Lord, I can't be co-mixed with that. I can explain that to you and hopefully people understand are not offended when they want uh, me to meet with them and I can't accommodate them at that moment. 
An example of that is, let's say you see a friend at the grocery store and you only have time to wave at them. But you know that that friend is an insecure person who will probably go home and their feelings are going to be hurt. Do you know what a person who is considerate would do? You would call them and go the extra mile and explain to them, well, I saw you while I was shopping, but I didn't have time to talk because I had to run and get my kids from school. Just that little bit of explanation can set and clear the air. That's just done out of love because you're not selfish. You're selfless. Thirdly, love apologizes even if there is a possibility of offense. In order to prevent offense, love gives what it might prefer to keep. And the example of that is when Abraham told his nephew Lot, we must separate, but you pick the best part. You pick the best land. I'll take what's left. That's love. That's love. Write this down. Use wisdom, especially with the world. If you're working with people in the world, use wisdom. Jesus paid taxes in Matthew chapter 17 in order not to give offense. Let me read this to you. In verse 24, And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not the master pay tribute? And he said, Yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute of their own children or of strangers? And Peter said unto him, Of strangers. And Jesus said to him, Then are the children free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. This is Jesus. Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man. Lest we should offend them. Go to the sea, cast your hook, and take the fish that comes up. And when you have opened its mouth, you'll find a piece of money. Take and give it to them for me and thee. It was like Jesus said, I don't operate in this world, but because I'm in this world. And not to offend them. I'm going to use wisdom. We got to use wisdom. I think as Pentecostals and Charismatics, we got to be careful that we don't use these charismatic phrases amongst people who don't understand and have a clue what we're saying. Let's say your uncle passed away and one of your friends attempting to comfort your aunt says, well, praise the Lord. And the aunt gets offended because she can't understand why you're praising God over the death of her husband. Don't be so busy trying to impress people with your spirituality that you're not sensitive to where they are. That's what love does. Sensitivity is necessary if we're going to avoid people, uh, offending people. The greatest thing that God wants us to know tonight, I believe, is that we're not a giver of strife, that we don't lend strife. We don't go around trying to project strife. We walk in peace so as not to offend. Amen? Now, I wish I could stand up here and say, I got this all figured out. I sure don't. I stumble, I mess up, I say things I shouldn't say, and I have to go back and apologize. There have been times after preaching, I've had to send a text to somebody and say, if I offended you, I apologize. I pulled you into my message. <laughs> I've, I've done that to some folks, and they look like a deer in headlights. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. 
But if I get to the point where I never apologize, if I'm not willing to say, you know, I probably shouldn't have said it that way, then I'm selfish and not selfless. God wants his church to be people who walk free of offense in a time that everyone's offended. And what I'm saying tonight is very difficult. It's a difficult pill to swallow. In a congregation that's as colorful as ours, we learn from one another. We have to learn from each other, amen? We learn each other's backgrounds and cultures and customs. I remember, sister, you, <laughs> I remember when we first came to Bethel, we, we, had, we had one dear uh, black sister in our church, Sister Christine Rankins. She was, she worked at United Airlines and she was the only woman in the whole company of United Airlines International that was educated enough to do the job she did. She was smart. She led our outreach ministry and we would go to feed the hungry. And I remember Sister Chris would get up. She'd say, we're going down the lighthouse to feed the hungry. And I said, what'd you say? She said, the hungry. And I remember uh, sometimes she would say things and I'd be like, what? <laughs> and then she would have to explain it to me. And, and there were times, I'm just, can I just be honest? There were times, I didn't, I didn't know how, I almost got offended at some of the stuff she said. And she invited us over to her house. She was raising her twin grandchildren. And she invited us over, and we went over, and she set a ta uh, t her table. There was only three table settings, me, Bev, and Caitlin. And I, I thought when someone invites you over to the house, you're all going to sit down together and eat. She wanted to serve us. She had put out her finest china. She had given us a tour of the house. She had her ch grandchildren wearing aprons and, and uh, looked like little chefs. She had everything set up so beautifully. And I felt so bad. I was like, sis, sit down here and eat with us. I mean, we just felt like so, come on now. I feel uncomfortable. She said, Pastor, I didn't come call you over here for me to eat. God told me to serve you. She taught me and Beverly things that we did not know that God was preparing Bethel for. For years, we walked together. Remember, she wanted us to meet with her and she had this calendar she was going to give us her whole year. We went into a Sunday school class and the arm of her glass, glasses had broke on one side, so the whole time she's talking, she's, this is how it was. And then she started fogging up. It was all I could do, because I get tickled easy, you know. And she starts crying, and, I, and she's snotting around, and there's tissues everywhere, and those glasses are sideways, and this one, one lens is fogged up the whole time. And she just poured her heart out. <laughs> and 
Again, it was a teaching moment. Her company went bankrupt and she had to relocate back to Chicago. Do you know, with all her degrees and knowledge, she went back to school and become a nurse? I mean, this lady, you, you couldn't stop her. She taught us culture. She taught us how she, she opened a door. <laughs> and the gates opened wide. And love began to draw people. And we learned, started learning from one another. And, and, and so you have to, uh, all, the, all the black folk, you have, to, you have to overlook some of the white folk. We don't understand some customs. And all the black folk, you're going to have to overlook some, you know, you may not understand every custom, but we can learn together. And we can have conversations together. And we can come together and not be offended. We can talk peaceably. And we don't have to pull the color card and say, I'm black, I'm white, and this is my people. No, 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 no. Don't count. Don't pull. Don't separate me from you. I am you and you are me. We can all celebrate our identity and we can celebrate our culture. Nothing wrong with that. But don't separate each other. Well, pastor, you know, these folks won't understand. Well, that's how we learn. That's how we grow. We come together. If I've said anything to offend anybody, I apologize. It's not my heart to offend. Our church become a church of, of color. Sister Yvonne, and Brother Griff came very quickly. We become, uh, well, they called us mixed people. We had a lot of mixed marriages and stuff. How do you deal with that when you've never, it's because some folks would go to churches and they didn't feel comfortable anywhere. Because the black folk wouldn't receive them or the white folk wouldn't receive It's quiet in here. I'm just trying, that people's feelings, people's feelings are out there dangling and they don't know how to resolve it. That's why I say we're not a white church, we're not a black church, we're not a brown church, we're not a red church, we're not a yellow church. We're a church. We preach the gospel, not politics, not racism. We don't have a black heaven and a white heaven. We have a heaven. So don't, listen, I know we're in a volatile time, but don't you dare get offended in this time well that, that white pastor he just don't understand help me understand I'm not hard to talk to we pull together don't walk around and just have your favorites get out of your boat heaven's going to be a beautiful place we're going to have a little bit of it right here Say this with me. I will not be offended. I won't be offended. I'm not going to let what's going on out there get in here. And it's not going to get in my family. You all, all of us in this room are entitled to our opinion. We have a right to be entitled to our opinion. But don't use your liberty 
as a stumbling block to your brother or sister. That's why I watch what I say on social media. Because I got a lot of people looking at me and I don't want to cause offense to anybody. Well, bless God, Pastor, are you living under constraints? No, I'm walking in love. And I feel good. But if somebody has an opinion, don't get mad at them. They're entitled to that. But let's just all be careful that we don't offend one another. And this would be a good time to have an altar call right here. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, Father, thank you for bringing us a little help tonight. In a volatile world, we, we don't have the answers. We don't know what to do. We got so many mixed messages and reports and people are upset and they're blasting and everybody's upset and hurt. Oh God, we need you to help heal the hurt. Keep Bethel together, Lord. We're in the middle of a fast and we know that when we start fasting and crucifying this flesh, we'll stir some devils up anyway. But God help this church not to succumb to being selfish. Lord, help us to look out for one another, to be our brother's keeper. Lord, help me to do things that help the people that are in my family here <laughs> to feel included and loved and warm and, and accepted. Thank you, Lord. God, whatever we're supposed to look like, God, we don't want to look like we're not trying to be another church and we're not trying to be a marketing graphic to somebody's pole. We're just trying to be what you want us to be. And God, we got a lot of different opinions here in our congregation. Lord, I know that. Help us, Lord, to be willing to just love each other unconditionally and learn from each other and have hard conversations with love and not unfriend folks and be upset. I don't want to be that, Lord. I don't want to be that, Lord. I don't want that in my house and I don't want it in our church. We're going to love each other in this place. We're going to be an example. Not because we're trying to be anything, but what you called us to be. And we'll all cross the finish line together, hand in hand. Thank you, Lord. I pray for every family here today that whatever struggle has been in your life right this week, you've had some hard, I feel the Holy Ghost say there's a, you've had a hard week. It's been a very emotional, hard thing in things that are happening in your family. I hear, I hear the Lord, oh, hallelujah. I hear reconciliation in my spirit. I don't know who that's for. Oh, let my mouth be pleasing to you. Let my hands be pleasing to you. Let my feet be pleasing to you. Let me look like you, Jesus. Help me, Lord. 
bless every person that's watching, every person online, all the families represented here. Those of you that have a hurt in your life, I want you to know I acknowledge your hurt. I acknowledge your hurt. God sees your hurt. He sees it. He's seen it all. He didn't turn away from it. He saw it. God is your vindicator. And God will avenge you. And he will restore to you what was taken. He will build you up. God said, he'll heal this wound. And not only will he heal you, he'll make you whole. And you will then begin to minister from a place of wholeness, says the Lord. You will minister from a place of experience, says the Lord. And your words will be like honey, says the Lord. It will be sweet and it will be a source of energy for the hearer, says the Lord. What you went through didn't make you bitter. It made you better, says God. And now you will minister from a place of wholeness. Whew, I felt that for somebody. You're going to minister from a place of wholeness. Hallelujah. Right, just where you are. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, sit. But just would you just begin to worship? Worship Him as they lead us in song. Worship Him. Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 